for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Hey, Zeus, holy shit, dude. Had kind of a big last weekend, huh? A little bit, man, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I mean, heads have sunk in. You were trending on Google. I don't know how many followers you picked up over the weekend. Do you know? Uh, I think over the weekend, just like a little over 2K. And do you know how many more followers you have now? Uh, maybe like 15, like 17, maybe total. Um, I'm about to hit the 90 K mark, but here pretty soon. 17,000 new followers. Well, welcome new fans from around the world. I mean, there's only about what a hundred thousand people who are into powerlifting. So, and I'm sure most of those people already know who you are. You are picking up people probably who are mainstream, especially if you're training on Google. What's this? What does it feel like having accomplished what you did? You are literally, your performance was the strongest performance in powerlifting we've ever seen in the history of the sport. Tested, untested, regardless of weight class, period. You put forth the biggest performance we've ever seen by kilos. No formulas, by kilos. We've never seen anything like that before. Has that dawned on you? <laughs> you look calm as shit. I would have showed up here with a, a <laughs> crown on. And <laughs> well, I mean, I've just been trying to do my best to have short-term memory loss. Cause like every athlete, every every great athlete, you know, who's put together a series of like consecutive years where they're just dominating, it's like you don't want to get hung up on your most recent performance. And like, I literally had a conversation with like this kid at the gym today. Um, I just told him like, look, man, like, like, yeah, it was, I, there was like an hour after the, the meet where it was just like dawning on me. But after I got my award, um, did the meet and greet and everything. And it was just like, I was like, okay, like I need to do everything I can in my power to make sure that, I don't allow my success to make me complacent because I feel like that's what played a big role into me getting hurt last year, you know, after PA Nationals, similar timeline where it's like big meet, 10 weeks out from Worlds, I get hurt four weeks out. I felt like what led or had a large part to play in that was mentally, I wasn't on my horse, you know, I was kind of like I just bamboozled myself because after I hit 1110, I was like, man, like I really don't know how much deeper I can look within myself to push even further. Right. Because like at the point, you know, the, the tested world record was 1105 or 1112 and a half. And then Dan's was 1127 and a half. Right. So it's just 17 and a half away. Right. So it's like for me and the, way that I lived it's a lot of it is internalized it's like I have to look within myself and ask myself okay like how much do I have left to pour into it and I was telling Joey like maybe like four weeks before Sheffield I started to kind of like see like this 
this next level beyond what I was already at. And I feel like that's just me like subconsciously preparing to make sure that I don't fall into that same trap of complacency and then allowing like half-assed effort to kind of infiltrate like my training. And that's how you get hurt, you know, in any sport, whether you're playing basketball, football, shot put, you know, or, or lifting weights. It's like, if you're not giving it your hundred percent and you're just at the gym lollygagging, like your chances of being hurt or injured are just going to exponentially rise. So it's like, like I'm, I'm really just doing my best to, to just treat it like it was some regular SPD session. Like, yeah, you know, it was one of the, one of the, what do you say? It was the heaviest sleep total ever, right? Regarding, there's like a different, there's a million different ways that you can describe this performance, you know, but me personally, I just, I know that I can do better. So like I'm 24, you know, I'm not anywhere near close to retiring. So I know this isn't like my peak, you know, it's just, and it's crazy to say these things, but it's like, I'm just going to do my best to make sure that whatever I was like forming and crafting and just working on heading into this competition, I want to make sure that I'm cultivating it, that I'm growing it, that I'm developing it and just maintaining this momentum going into Malta and then going into Sheffield 2024. Well, okay. Let me put this in perspective. Who are some of your strength idols? The people you look up to in strength sports? Uh, I could say like uh, Brian Shaw, Zadrunas, which I got to take a picture with. And then um, like Eddie Hall, like those are the kind of guys that. Okay. So uh, Brian Shaw, Zadrunas and Eddie Hall. Let me tell you something. At 24 years old, you were stronger than all of them. Let that sink in young man. At 24, you have already bypassed what they could do in the three lifts. It's crazy, Jesus. It, this is, we've never seen anything like this in, in the sport of powerlifting. I've been around in powerlifting since 2008, um, but I could backtrack easy and look back. Nobody's ever done anything like this. Uh, I don't, you're handling this very, very well, to say the least. And you're 24. You haven't peaked yet. These men are legends in the game who've been at it for years and you, you've already bypassed them. It's crazy. It's crazy. My friend watching what you did at Sheffield, it's, it's poetic the way it unfolded with worlds. Now I am so happy that it's worlds played the way it did so that Sheffield, nobody's seen you coming like this and what you unpackaged at Sheffield. Jesus, it, Sheffield was so crazy. The The atmosphere was like a rock concert with 2,000 people chanting your name when you came out for that final deadlift. And when you hit that final deadlift, the jury turns it down. And then it became a, or sorry, the refs turn it down. And then became a, your uh, Grant Iverson ran to the jury. God bless him. I'm glad he did. Yeah. And they started deliberating. And everyone's on their feet. 2,000. Thousand people are on their feet. Thousands of people online are all watching it. I'm on the commentary and I, for a second, lose my commentating hat and just start talking like, please, 
please, jury, please. And I'm literally begging if there's powerlifting gods, do the right thing. And you go nine for nine and they overturn it. You couldn't have written a better movie tale ending with the biggest, it, that was, you performed the best at the biggest meet in history. Not a lot. You didn't go blow up a local meet. It was the biggest meet in history across the ocean with IPF international judging. Everybody knows how difficult IPF international judges are. Everybody knows the standard. There is no stricter standard in the world. Somebody can go into a local meet and blow that up. Jesus, the, the, the magnitude of what you did, my dude, I, I mean, blown away, blown away, young man. Uh, to say proud is to say the least. So I hope like, I know you're a humble guy, but you, you sometime this is going to hit you and I'll be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to remember that. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll let it hit me when, when I have the time to actually let it like soak in. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there, like it, it does make me feel a little sentimental, but just because of like, the fact that my family was there um, because of like just the BS that was happening a couple of weeks before the meet and then just going out there and executing because I think this has always been like one of my things since I started powerlifting was I always wanted to be the best I could be under the harshest crit criticism, under the strictest officiating at the highest uh, level, you know, that's, those those four things are what led me to towards the IPF, towards towards pursuing world championships, and then towards like just continuously seeking like this this undisputed standard, you know. Because and I was even talking to Mikey uh, today actually. I was telling him like, dude, like, because normally I I do I you know my my depth is pretty solid. But, like, I was sinking them even lower on meet day. And normally for most people, when you try to when you try to squat lower in, on comp day than you do on meet day, like, it doesn't go well. Mm. But all I could remember was, you know, how things happened in South Africa, um, just, like, being hurt. And I was even watching the replay. Somebody had made an edit from some of the lists from South Africa, and I was watching it, and I could just see, like, the differences and, like, the way I was moving, just having like that injury, you know? And then after I got my last deadlift and like Mike, uh, big Mike, he was working the table and I was just looking at him and I was like, you see what I could do when I'm not hurt, bro. You, you, see, what I, you see what I could do when I'm not hurt. But, um, I mean, there's just so many different ways that you can talk about this, you know, but I just feel like, this is the first performance where this performance to me feels the most legit out of any meet I've ever done. Because like even going back to my 1110 last year, like that was that was a home meet for me. Like that was in Austin. That's an hour from where I live. Um, the travel was like everything was perfect. Everything was perfect, you know. But for this meet, like you said, how to travel to across the ocean. I was in a different time zone against uh, officials that were throwing reds out there for reasons people couldn't even understand. So to just execute at that level, you know, that that's what makes me happy. 
is that I went nine for nine and I was able to just, you know, dominate and have a perfect day. Well, near perfect day, regardless of like officiating, you know, because that's something that I feel a lot of people like that's really the only criticism that people can t throw my way. You know, it's like, oh, like his grip this or lockouts that or dev for like knees, you know, like those are just it's all technical things, you know, and to just be able to perfect my lifts, you know, to a degree where I can just go out there and do whatever I want. Like that to me is what is what speaks to me, you know, is that I was able to have like a perfect day under like these four things that I've always pursued as a, as an athlete, you know, because it's like, I mean, I mean it's just, it's, it, it is, I do, I do have like a hard time being able to like properly put the words together because it's like, it just makes me very proud because I remember where I came from, you know, I remember where I started and then to literally accomplish something that is going to cement me in strength history for the rest of however long earth has before the end of days, you know, it's like that, that, that is pretty crazy, you know, but at the same time, I also know what's led me down my path to like, to get injured, to get complacent. So I'm just doing everything I can in my absolute best to like steer clear of that. So I can just continue to work, you know, stay healthy, continue to improve and just like really push this as far as I can go, you know, because uh, at this point, you know, like I am the standard, you know, at this point I was, I was talking to uh, Sean Noriega, you know, he messaged me and he was like, Hey, Suze, like I bet you're on cloud nine. And I was like, it's actually the opposite, you know, because the position that I set myself at after this meet, it's like now I'm top G, you know, now I'm, now I'm big dog. And now I'm going to have all these other guys across every other federation, untested, tested, USAPL, different weight classes, you know, like now they have my target on my, I have a target on my back now, you know, but I mean, I've literally prepared for this since I started, you know, like, like I was telling people, you know, like I was literally visualizing as much as I possibly could, like months out, weeks out, days out of like the crowd attempts, game plan, like how I was going to conduct myself, like what I was going to do after, like everything I felt like I had already taken a mental note of, you know, so it's like, like my performance and then after, like to me, it's no surprise. Because I know, excuse me, I know the caliber of work that I've put into this. I know how, like, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually invested I am, excuse me, into, like, what I do and just what I'm about, you know. So it's, like, nothing nothing about what I did came to a surprise to me, you know. Like, I literally did everything I said I was going to do, you know. It, in terms of... um. Well, first off, 100% you did. I remember you coming on the podcast. This is before Taylor was injured. Um, and obviously now, you know, cat's out the bag. He's He was injured for this. But even before then, you were like, I'm going to beat Taylor. And everyone, and some people are like, how? How can you beat? And you're I'm going to put, I'm going to put something up crazy. And 
um, I'm going to take Dan Bell's record and I'm going to, you know, you were very much confident about it. And a lot of people like, I, I can't see it. I remember putting up polls and people like Taylor's going to walk away with this. And I remember crunching numbers to myself and looking at the numbers and be like, this is possible. <laughs> Jesus can do this. You know, th this is, yeah, I mean, he would hundred percent. He just has to have a good day. And the fact that everything that happened in South Africa in, in terms of technical calls, the fact that you did that in, in IPF international judging makes it undeniable. And here's another note that people who listening should know. 100% of the athletes at Sheffield were tested. Mm -hmm. uh, out of meat testing and, and on, on the, uh, both out of meat through, both out of meat and at the meat testing, 100% got hit. Nobody was spared. Uh, I mean, this was an undeniable performance in that with everybody got tested, IPF international judging, as well as a nine for nine and the biggest total we ever seen untested tested. I mean, there's really not much people could say about it. And in terms of pressure, this video, that stream had just under 200,000 views in the, in the first day. Like we've never seen something like this in powerlifting. It was, it was, it's remarkable, man. How, what exactly happened here? Um, yeah. Yeah, man, I feel, you know, like, I feel like, like, obviously, John and Gavin, they had a phenomenal battle, you know, but I don't mean to say this, like, in an arrogant manner, but I firmly believe that my performance was just, like, it was a home run, you know. I think that my performance just helped solidify what a Sheffield could do for the sport of powerlifting, you know. When you have an all-time, all-time, all-time performance, and it's like executed in such a manner, like it's just like, it's it's gonna create like this gravity field where people from outside looking in, they're gonna have FOMO, you know, like they have fear of missing out. And it's like, like I'm sure you've seen some of the stories, you know, I think Joey like tagged Russ. And then like, I'm pretty sure like, you know, like people like Rondell, people like Bob, um, Ashton, they're all gonna look at this and be like, son of a Big, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I messed up. Like, they all put their eggs in the wrong basket, you know, because, like, another thing, you know, it's, like, a lot of crap that Flex gets, you know, it's, like, about taking our lifters out of the UCPL and, like, just putting everybody in the IPF. It's, like, I mean, like, how can you really knock us for doing that, you know? Like, we just happen to have faith in this ideal of like pursuing greatness at the highest standard. And that might've led us to go down like unpopular routes, you know, like a lot of people give the IPF a hard time, but like, Hey man, I just won $36,000. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, you want to talk about, about bro? You want to talk about pro 36,000 dollars, my mans. Like, what are we, but the thing is, like, who's who is talking about if you leave USAPL? Like, what what would be the beef on that? Who in the USAPL are you quote unquote dodging? The, there is nobody over there that you would be ducking if you if you were there. You this is you leaned into the as a matter of fact, 
after IPF Worlds, when the standards were so hard on you technically, some people were actually like leave and come to USAPL and not realizing they're essentially saying the standards will be easier. And instead of going into an easier, you were like, no, I want the highest of standards. I'm going to be undeniable. Wait till you see me next time. But I like, I don't get that mentality whatsoever. You're only, there's nobody who's your opposition. Nobody in the tested is your opposition. Not even gravity. I mean, I feel like every competitive lifter, you know, it's like, if you put a point system and you can just, whether it's fair or not fair, and you can like compare yourself to other guys, it's only natural to just look at like, okay, like this guy is scoring this much and this much, you know. Oh, so you mean like, dots not, and formulas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not going to lie, Ryan, that, that motivates me a little bit. I don't know if you saw like my, the last YouTube video that me and Pablo put out, but um, just with everything that was going on, with like the video that came out and then like all the drama and the BS, you know, like, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me exactly what was in the video and the drama that came afterwards. Well, I'll just talk about, I'll just talk about the video that me and Pablo put out. So like, obviously okay. like we all know about, uh, about what happened, you know, like all the drama against flex. But for me, like I took that very personal because it's like, well, first of all, like this is my team. Like I am a part of this organization as well. And then at the same time, it's like on craftsmanship, you know, like you have a bunch of these amazing athletes, you know, like you have Bob, you have uh, Petrie and Ashton. And it's like you have these guys who are like walking around in the U.S. like they're the best lifters in the United States, like they're the best lifters in the world. And, you know, obviously, like as a lifter, you know, like you're going to try to use every competitive avenue. I mean, every edge to help you competitively. So, like, at the time, you know, like, I only had, like, a 573 dots. So, I think that ranked me, like, top five, I think. So, it's, like, when you have all these little fellas just talking about all this all this talk, you know, it's, like, okay, all right, man. I at least throw my name in there, you know. Like, I know I'm in a different federation, but I'm still top five, you know, especially being, like, 100 pounds heavier than almost everybody else in the top five, you know. So, it's, like... I, I can't help but feel slighted, you know, and like this might all just be in my head, you know, like I, I sometimes like I'm, I'm not afraid to admit like I can be a little um, ego, egotistical and just like, like be a, an athlete in my head, you know, and it's like if some, if I feel something might be as like a slight that I'm like, okay, all right, man, like I'm, a, I'm not going to say nothing about it. I'm going to just take a receipt. I'm going to just keep on doing my thing and then. I'm just going to let my my uh, performances do the talking. So it's like, you know, I had a 592 point something dots on the day and that would have won the pro series, you know? I mean, fuck. I mean, 10 points almost. But put it this way, um, like, that's awesome. You would have won the pro series as a heavyweight. But I'm telling you, I didn't know that until now. And uh, that's amazing first off, but my man, when you did what I just told you you did, this is not even something that like, like it would be in, I don't think any of those gentlemen you named would, would contest. Like everybody would be like, yes, I would rather not have the highest dots. You do have the highest dots now, but I would rather not. Let's say for some reason dots didn't work out in your favor because it's a formula. Sometimes they get wonky. 
everybody walking the earth would prefer to be the strongest man in the world, the strongest human in history. Not just, there's 7 billion people. Here's your formula, my brother. There's 7 billion people in the world and you're the strongest. And I don't know how many billion people have ever lived. You're the strongest in history. That's your formula. That's your formula, Playboy. It's a pretty good one. It's called it's called science. You know what I mean? It's not somebody who, who with a calculator trying to make something up with data points. You don't. You are. You've ascended past formulas, my man. You know, ask somebody. I mean, not, you live on I'm Earth. Disagreeing. Do you live on Earth? You. I'm the strongest man on Earth. <laughs> it's that's what it is. Ask them. Yeah. Somebody's got to come down from Mars. I mean, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, Ryan, but it's just. There's just something about, like, it's like Thanos, you know? Like, he had to collect all the Infinity Stones. And it's just like, like if you can, why not, you know? so Sure, this is true. So this it's true. like, uh, I mean, I mean we'll, we'll just leave it at that, man. Like, you know, I ended up being, having, like, the highest dots, whatever, you know, highest total. But, like, that's just how I think, you know? Like, I remember... A long time ago, you know, like I was, I kept telling people that I wanted to have the, the best total of all time, as a drug-free athlete, regardless of competing and testing. You know, and then people would just tell me crazy. I remember um, uh, Dennis Cornelius. You know, like God bless his soul, he's still alive, by the way, for anybody asking. But he's yeah, a twenty k G goat. Sound like he died. Uh, uh, he had man. He had pretty much like got on a podcast with you, and he gave me a message. You know, he told me to not even pursue that idea he pretty much just told me that it was impossible to take back the like the all the all-time world record and i took that personal you know because it's like just because you couldn't do it doesn't mean i can't do it um because like that's just always been my mission you know like i'm a firm believer that you know god himself has given me like this natural potential he's given me the ability to just do miraculous things you know because I'd be dumb to believe that my strength isn't supernatural. You know, like I'm literally doing things that nobody's ever done before, you know, and out of a long history of, of um, planet earth. Like I literally remember telling Joey the week before Sheffield, I was like, look, man, like, I know we have other flex athletes here. I know we got like John, we got Mikey, but it's like, but I told him, I was like, look, like, I'm not really going in there thinking about winning. I'm not going in there thinking about the money. I'm simply coming to this meet with the idea of accomplishing something that could only be second to one person, Samson from the Old Testament. Like that was literally like just this idea that I wanted to embody in my training and coming into this meet. I wanted to do something so phenomenal that it could only be second to Samson, you know, like the strongest persons have ever lived. This man literally brought down pillars on the, the Palestinians, you know, like this man killed a thousand people with a, a donkey's jawbone. Like that's the type of strength that I only want to be second to when all is said and done, you know, like, I don't think I can take a thousand men, but I could take a few men with the, yeah. the donkey jaw. <laughs> <laughs> this is at the end of Sheffield. All of a sudden, you they see me giving you a donkey bow, and I'm like, and ladies and gentlemen, I suggest you start clearing out because my man I'm is scared. about to hop off the stage, and we're about to see the, the second act. But um, yeah, no, listen, uh, your performance was it. It literally was that, though. It literally was. We've never seen anything like it. And in terms of um, 
I wanted to get your opinion. So yeah, there, there's, there's dots moving around. And yes, there is like now a battle between camps on a sporting level. We'll, we'll keep it on the sporting level in terms of like Bob Matthews was on the podcast and he was like, if you line up the craftsmanship and you line up flex, I think craftsmanship takes it. I'm, I'm glad you lined that up, Brian, because let's, let's, let's look at this logically. All craftsmanship has is Bob, Ash, Petrie. You take flex. You have me, Russell, um, Jonathan Keiko. You have Delaney Wallace, which, by the way, I think Delaney is really the only 80 through 82. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think Delaney is the only 82, 83 guy that could challenge Russ on a perfect day out of the rest of them. Um, you have Amanda on the woman's side. You know, you have Sonita on the women's side. Yeah. Um, we have a bona fide crew of world champions. But what does craftsmanship have? They don't have any world championships, you know? And I was talking to someone, like, it's like, like, yeah, you know, like, they're doing their own things. But I just, I feel, Joe, like, speaking, when you look at people's legacies, it's like, it's going to hurt these guys when they're done not having a single world championship on their resume. Like, I, I hate to say, you know, but, like, that's sports. Like, anybody who follows the NBA, NFL, uh, hockey, like, um, soccer, you, like, when you rate these guys, these ladies and men who have just accomplished great things, they're just, like, like, you're going to look at a Charles Barkley. Like, yeah, he was he's in the Hall of Fame. But then when you have somebody like Larry Bird, this man has titles. Titles talk, you know, it's not – it's not just about having the total because like, even though I have the best total of all time, you know, I still have like three more titles to win before I can be like, okay, I'm the 120 goat, you know, like Ray still has that in my opinion, because he was winning back to, he won five times in a row before he like, you know, uh, tragedy struck. And it's like, you can't just go out and like run away from the rest of the world you know, like, yeah, you might be more talented. You might have a better total, better scoring system, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like when you retire, when you walk away from powerlifting, it's like, what is your resume? Like, like you never traveled across the ocean. You never had to to go find your, your the stuff you need to cut weight. You didn't have to go do any of this stuff. It was all in your country, your back, your backyard, essentially. Um. Because like, that's what I was saying. Like, my 1110 was in my backyard. Everything was perfect. Everything was in my control. But to go out there and do 1152, like, traveling internationally, being in, like, a foreign country, having to go out, having to, like, send my uh, Surreal every day to go out and get what I need, um, just, like, doing all this stuff, it's, like, there's just levels beyond that, you know? So it's, like... And it and this, I mean, I guess in a way it is a slight, but it's not a disrespectful one because it's the truth. You know, it's like you need. I, I just feel like if you want to be a goat powerlifter, like you got to put the time in. You got to work. You got to win the titles. You got to win them cons consecutively. You have to be dominant. You know, like you just can't have one or two good years in your own little country without having to like actually go against the rest of the world. 
experiencing like meats and like circumstances that you would never ever do in your own backyard. It's just, there's just different levels to this, you know? And it's like, I feel like that's what flex is about. You know, like we're just chasing the highest standard against the hardest officiating under the brightest lights and just where the circumstances are essentially like putting us in an away game, you know, like literally, like I was talking to Sophia, you know, and she like, she, she lives in the UK. And I think she said it was like a three hour drive from London to Sheffield. It yeah. was a three hour drive. Sophia Ellis, shout out to her, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like she was telling us that it's a one hour flight from the UK to Malta. You know, like these are like, like I wish I had only had to fly one hour to go to Sheffield, you know, or to go to Malta or South Africa, you know, but it's like, that's the whole part and concept of being an athlete pursuing like these ideals because it's like, it just makes it so much more validating. You know, it just bonifies and legitimizes your career, your legacy is that like, you actually went that you went the, the whole distance, you know, it's like the difference between like a 15 round fight and a 10 round fight. You know, it's a, like, you don't have to condition as much. You don't have to worry about as much, but it's like, when you have to go the distance, there's just those last, those last five rounds are the rounds where like, if you're slipping, you're going to get caught lacking, you know? So it's like, you know, like maybe these guys should come over, you know, I would love to have Bob, in the IPF, I would love for Ashton to be with me on a world team. I would love it, you know, but it's like um, hopefully Sheffield was the match that they needed to kind of get that live start under their butt, you know, because now that Top G's in a different federation, like all these guys talking about chasing the best lifter, like now they got to chase me. Well, so I was actually just about to ask this. So uh, real quick, I'd be remiss if I didn't add uh, Jamar is in that lineup as well. Um, but oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me yeah, and him, we talked. It's okay. Bit. When you start naming lists off the top of the head, you're bound to miss somebody. But I got yeah. you. Uh, I got you, fam. Don't worry. Um, but um, hold on. Okay, Jamar. I'm sorry, bro. Uh, dude, it happens all the time. But uh, what was I gonna say there? No. So in terms of this, afterwards, I had people in the DMs, not naming names, that were for members of the USCPL, big name people. Um, several, not a couple them, the coaching, etc., who were like definitely <laughs> talking about uh, dropping over into the IPF, um, making that switch. If whether it's money incentive, there's far more money in it if you can win, but the month, the pot's there. Um, obviously, even IPF Worlds, the payouts, you become an SBD athlete. I don't know what the other people are, are, are paying out, but there's 6K US for certain medals, or at least it was. I don't know what it is now, but a couple of years ago when we looked into it, that's what it was. Um, but there's like a lot of the payouts are lovely at IPF Worlds, let alone Sheffield. Um, and that's just from what I know. There's other there's other sponsors out there, but people are gonna come over. So in this, this was a, a massive calling call. I know people are going to come over. I already know in the DMs there are people like, all right, that's it. I'm coming. And um, yeah, like Taylor's injured. So now people are looking past Taylor. Taylor gets back on it and he could run his dots up if, if they want to yeah, go by I, dots I, as well. I told him at the banquet, man. I told him straight up. I was like, look, man, like I know things weren't in your favor, but I just want you to know, like you and Ray are always the type of guys that if I know y'all two are going to be there, 
that the dumbest thing I could do is just expect y'all to have an off week because that rare that seldomly happens. So like I'm I'm already trying to just conceptualize what I need to do to win next year because I know Taylor's gonna do everything he can to come on his A game. So like I just have to be ready to just build on what I just did, which is even like it, it's gonna it's just gonna get a lot harder. But I mean that's the spirit of being an athlete, you know, like sometimes you have the hot hand, sometimes you don't, but at the end of the right. day, like you just have to put your best effort forward. And that's the only way you can walk away from a win or an L, you know? So like, I know for sure Taylor's going to come back in a lot better shape. You know, he's, it actually helps him out that he didn't break his record. I think he was like maybe 1% shy, but it's just gonna, you know, he's, can hit something crazy, you know, he could hit like 6% over on a good day. So it's, it's got to calculate for that. It's the toughest is with powerlifting, you know, other sports, um, hockey's 82 games, freaking baseball. God knows how many, um, you know, it, it basketball. I don't know. It's tons, right? Even football. They don't play many games. It was 16. That is 17 now. 17. That is so many, no powerlifters <laughs> compete 17 times. It's in powerlifting. You compete two, three, maybe four times. You have a bad, one bad competition and fucking there's half your year and you're waiting another half year. And the thing with Taylor, it was the biggest competition ever. The sport has ever seen with the biggest payout ever. And the hype was so big. So Taylor, even though knowing he's not at 100%, is no, he's not going to pull out. Taylor, even Taylor Atwood, isn't guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed next year. You don't, it'll be like, well, pull out now, hit Sheffield next year, because you're not 100% this time. You Nobody's guaranteed Sheffield next year, <coughs> except for yourself, actually. Uh, you got guaranteed, but but uh, because you won it. But like, in sports, when you start thinking like that, I you start getting enti the, the entitled, I'll just do it next year. The door closes. You, the invite is now to the biggest powerlifting competition of all time in the experience we had. Taylor, who wasn't having a, he actually got food poisoning the night before. Whatever. It was, he was, he was pretty banged up anyways. Yeah. So he was, his attitude was, and people like, well, why was he all smiles even though he's missing lifts and clearly not 100%? Because he's Mr. Atwood, man. Well, because, for, yes, he's Mr. Atwood. And obviously, I think, too, he was like, man, fuck it. It can't get no worse. I might as well just appreciate what it is. Uh, yeah. There's 2,000 people chanting my name. There's 2,000. There's the biggest viewing audience we've ever seen. The biggest prize. And I'm watching my friends crush it. And he's just like, I'm not going to let this spoil it. So he just enjoyed himself. Even afterwards, he was in a good mood. And he, because he, he refused, he knows like these moments don't come around. You can't just be sour about it. Just hop in there. And he, 770, I think it was 777.5 kilos is what he did. As a 74, that's his worst day. And that's some yeah. people are dying to hit that. And if they hit mm -hmm. that, they're like, oh, watch out for this kid. Um, <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll never forget like the first time I actually like ran into Taylor. It was in PN Nationals last year. And it was just like this man has like this charm, man. Like I, the only way I can like explain it, and it's gonna sound super corny, but it's like Taylor Atwood is a hundred percent the Tom Brady of powerlifting. Like this man, like his his class, like his um his competitive spirit, you know, like I know he likes to chirp back 
a little oh, here yeah. and there. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, you know, the way he handles himself on the platform, you know, because we, we messaged a little bit after the competition. And I just told him how it was just for me getting to share the platform with somebody like him and then being able to like like legit see how he was behaving and handling himself under like those circumstances like you know it, it, it moves me a little bit because I'm trying to get on his level you know I'm trying to I'm trying to get six seven titles you know I'm I'm trying to be in that same conversation as him you know like like yeah you can say and, and this is what I was thinking but like before entering the podcast it's like I don't think I've earned the title of like go, but I've earned the right to be in the conversation, you know? So it's like, until you're like definitively, like you, like, like I said, like you need the resume, you need the world titles, <coughs> you need the records, you need the time dominating, you need like certain wins in certain locations of the world. Like you can't just stay in one region because like that just, that just says you're scared to go elsewhere, you know, like a resume like Taylor's, you know, like this man's been all over the place, you know, like if there was a battle, he was there, you know, like this man has like so much, like such a savvy about him, like such a, like it, for me, it was, it was a pleasure getting to just like sit there next to him because I was just soaking it up, man. Like I was just trying to be a sponge because it's like, when I look at, people that I want to emulate like my career after I look at individuals like Russell Orhe or Taylor Atwood, you know, like these are men who have, they're tested and tried, you know, <clears throat> like they just find a way to just come back and come back and do it again and do it again and do it again. And I don't think people can truly understand how hard that is until they try it. Because it's like, that's why so many people fizzle out in powerlifting because they don't have like that mental toughness <laughs> to just do the same exact thing every single day, every single week, year after year, because they get tired of it. They, they burn out. They give in to like whatever human tendencies and they just like, they disappear, you know, but like for people like Russell or Taylor Atwood, you know, like every single chance I get to be around them, I just watch and I try to learn because it's like, I am on the same trajectory, you know, like I want to be on their level one day. I want to be in the same conversations. Like I want to have that same level of impact when all is said and done, you know, like towards the end of my career, you know, like I, I still have a long way to go, you know, and I'm sure I'm going to go through some bumps and bruises, but it was, I have nothing bad to say about Atwood. You know, like it just, it was just, it was an amazing opportunity to just even get to share the platform, you know? And it's like to see how he conducted himself and when everything was against him, just like he kept smiling, he put on a show for the crowd, you know? And like just to see him and his dad in the, in the warm up room, like it just kind of, it kind of gets me a little emotional, you know? Because it's like, um, <clears throat> like my, my dad's not like that in my life. You know, like he's off doing his own thing, you know, like whatever. But to just see like that and just see like the image that Taylor has, you know, it's like what you see is what you get. And I know a lot of people, I know like when you've won as many times as he has for as long as he does, 
but you're going to have a lot of people like um, hoping for his his loss, you know. But it's like like I, I never wished it on anybody, you know. Like it 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 makes me sad like seeing people like Ray or Atwood, you know, like come in at like seventy percent just because I know what they represent and I know what they can do. So it's like you know it was it was it was a pleasure. Yeah, in terms of um a head to head in in someone in his division. Like he hasn't lost since 2017. Like let that sink in. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, it's it's in terms of like the epitome of showing up and winning every battle. Like my friend, you know, um, he and people think like, well, he had no rivals. Yeah, he had a rival. Chill Bach, Chill beat him in 2017 at the World Championships. Was the world champion, held the world record, and he had to come back in 2017. Chell wasn't there. Chell went into equip, was winning equip world titles. Chell was champ in equipment, out of equipment. They clashed again in 2019. Like he did have battles. People just forget is all. Um, you know, Taylor's had that. He's been, to your point, tried tested for years. So yeah, man, he's going to have some off days, but to your point as well, like he's, it's difficult to catch him slipping. And I don't mind, he'll trash talk people. If they have a bad day, like he's got some rivals. So if he has a bad day and they trash talk him, that's all sporting. I don't mind that. That's, you know, it is what it is. Like this is all in sports, right? But in terms of a sports commentator, if I'm going to give my opinion, um, I mean, come on, man. He's the measure of consistency. Anybody who wants Taylor, you got to go him head up. And he's he's been undefeated since 2017. So good luck with that. It's going to be a tough one in his, in his own weight class, not like formulas and whatnot. God knows yeah. what formula you want to use, but, um, so, and I was going to ask you too, how do you feel about the, is the competitive, the competitiveness now currently in powerlifting? It feels like to me, an all time high in terms of between camps, in terms of online chatter and trash talk, in terms of people aren't even in the same fed, but will be viewing each other's performances with comment or even if they are in the same fed they're in different weight classes giving commentary on each other it's at an all-time high i feel at least right now um it, do you feel this is good thing bad thing it makes us elevate competition makes us rise higher because of the pressure because of that you know team versus team makes each team rise higher individual versus individual or do you think you know what a little too much chatter for my liking i prefer just putting on performances and not having. I think it's good for the sport. I think there's like a bunch of different ways you can cut the pie, you know, like I, I for sure think it's, it's been, cause I'm not gonna lie Ryan. Like some, like when everything was happening, I certainly felt like something in my mind snapped, you know, like it was just like a, okay. It, it felt, it for sure felt. And I, and I was talking to a little bit of the people like in my circle, you know, like, I felt like I had the most pressure out of anybody on my team on my shoulders this Saturday, this past Saturday, because like, it's like sometimes all you have to do is just keep winning, man. Like you're going to have people say certain stuff here and there, but as long as you win and you win the right way and you just continue to do it and you continue to show up at the biggest stages, like, Ultimately, you know, like that just becomes chatter. You know, it, it's it's nothing bona fide, it's nothing legit because it's like if you want to make this personal, like trust me, Ryan. Like there's a lot more stuff that we can do to make this personal. And me personally, like I I don't really like to start chirping at people 
because it's like I don't want people tripping at me because it's like once somebody comes at me, it's like it's very hard for me to stop. And it's like, um, hey, Ben, that's girl, you know, man, if I might have said something vulgar to you, like in the back, I just want to apologize. What um, happened? Well, it's because like he he kept contesting my lives. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah, that's Taylor's coach for anyone listening. Name, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, like, and I want to say this publicly, you know, and it's like, uh, like I, I understand, like if the roles were reversed, exact same thing. So there, there really is no hard feelings, but just the fact that he kept doing it was like. I was like, I was saying some things. I'm not gonna say it on, on live air because my mom will, she won't like it. So we'll <laughs> just right. leave it. You're not, we'll leave you're it not afraid. Though. You're not afraid of Ben or any other powerlifter, but your mom. But your yeah, moms no. will be like, yeah, you put the fear of God in you. I don't want her calling me and just chewing me out about uh how Fair. I'm composing myself. Fair. So it's like, like he was like he kept contesting it. So I, I kind of like said some stuff and then he was like, Oh, like I'm just doing my job. And then I was just like, Hey man, no hard feelings, right? So then after bench, like he was standing by my chair and I was just like, like I have three white lights, right? So I like I kind of like like threw myself into my chair and I looked at him and I was like, Ooh, we three white lights. That feels so good. <laughs> no contest of that one. You can't contest yeah. that one. So it's like, and it's like, I don't know, man. I feel like that's just a part of my makeup as an athlete, you know? So it's like, I, I don't, that's why you rarely ever see me like go out of my way to, to say stuff about other lifters because like generally like I am a very respectful guy. You know, I have a lot of respect for these guys. Like I listened to the podcast with you and Bob after the video, you know, and it's like the things he said just made me revere him even more. Like, just the fact that he can, like, support his team in an unbiased way without making it, like, dramatic and negative, that, like, that man is the real deal, you know? And it's, like, I know it's only a matter of time before, like, Bob comes over and he wins, like, three or four, five, six championships, you know? I'm not going to put a number because it's just the type of lifter that he is. Um, like, same thing with Ash, you know? Like, me and Ash are, like, really close, you know? Like, Ash is, like, one of my, one of my close friends, we talk a little bit here and there, you know, like just about personal stuff. And like, I love Petrie, you know, like me and Petrie have had nothing but love and respect since the first time we've ever talked, you know? So it's like, I, I would never, ever, ever, ever like throw these guys under the bus or like just make them a public spectacle because like I love them and I respect them. And like, I just know that they're going to be, they're, they're great men and they're great athletes. You know, but uh, I'm not gonna lie, Ryan. I just had a brain. Fart. Oh, we're talking about competitive. I had a brain right. fart, man. I'm sorry. But 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 but, and I got you. Um, so what they were saying was essentially, because because what I was saying was, does it make you like? Does it make everybody rise oh, up? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sporting okay, wise, so... and, and, and to your point, they on the podcast they kept it sporting and did. They all yeah. said as long as the sports not personal, and yeah. they were all like. I'll go at you for sports. You bomb, I'm coming at you. You do a good yeah. performance, bad performance, I'm coming at you. I'm not going to go at your family. I'm not going to go at what you do for a living, be like, oh, I heard mm -hmm. he's a janitor or whatever. I'm not going to do that shit. Like, yeah. the, the, all of them are like, that is too far. Yeah, they're all they're all good fellas, man. Like, I would <laughs> I would love to, like, I mean, obviously, like, I, I've, I've had a bunch of drinks with Ash, but it's like, I would love to sit down with all of these guys and just, like, just hang out because... That's just something that I feel 
I mean, that's what I like to do. You know, it's like I like meeting strong people. I like meeting like-minded people. And I, I just, I try to be a sponge, you know. I try to learn about well, what they do, how they do it, because maybe there's something that they do that I'm not really aware of. And if I can, like, add that to my toolkit and just, like, improve, then, you know, it's just about being a student of the game. But, no, for sure, like, back to the question. I do think it's making sports or powerlifting, my bad. It's making powerlifting more excited, more exciting because it's like now, like, I think on the extreme spectrum of this, like we can talk about like the Cowboys, you know, when the Cowboys do good, like you get a bunch of these like obnoxious fans, just like, Ooh, Cowboys are going to win it every single year. But when they do bad, like the rest of the world is just like, shitting on them like hardcore you know like that is good for the league because mm -hmm. it creates like this momentum of like negative energy and then like when something like counteracts it then like the positive is like just as good you know so i really believe like as long as we keep this sporting you know because it's like i don't think any of us like really hates each other, you know, like even Russell and, and, you know, I, I don't know what they said or whatever, but I, I've heard of them like talking things out and like, you literally see like Petrie corrupted. So it's like, obviously they've established like some uh, level of just being courteous with each other. So it's like, I, but, but I think like when it comes to game day, you know, it's like, like, Hey man, you got to know when to flip the switch and when to flip it off. So I, I do think that, Although I don't think it was – I think it was done in a completely, like, wrong way. I do think that it's, like, pushed Team Flex in this, like, completely different level of just focus, you know, because, like, me and Russell have been talking a lot more recently because <clears throat> I think he's feeling what I'm feeling. You know, it's like – like, we we got to we gotta keep this going, you know. Like, yeah, we got to keep pushing each other because it's like – it, it, that's, it's just like competitiveness, you know, it's like we got to do what we can do to prove other, ourselves right. And when you prove yourself right, you prove, you prove the opposite wrong, you know. So it's like this unspoken, like, thing that has become its own thing, you know. So, and I'm sure, I'm sure my performance made them feel the same way, you know, it's like, they've literally have been calling themselves the best for like this whole time. And then now they have to default to like by their own standards. Right. So, and it's like, now I know they're going to do everything they can do to top what I did and they're by their own formula. So it, I think it's going to be exciting, you know, and I think it'll come to a day where maybe the 12 lifters at Sheffield it's going to be like six craft, six flex. You never know. Like, I think that would be something crazy to think about, you know? Well, maybe not Sheffield, but um, if, like SVD, if SVD yeah. does, and they, you know, it's completely conceivable that they would have other, other meets, not the culminative Sheffield, but other ones along the way. But um, cause like, let's be honest, the rest, there's a whole other bar, part of the world, you know, that have amazing lifters as well. That'll be like, mm -hmm. well, well, it's more than two camps, but to your point, um, yeah, your the pressure that you, Russ, must feel to to come up with everything that like all of the sea of negativity that got thrown at the flex squad, 
Um, your performance, holy smokes, you know, you, you say I felt some pressure to come up and, and, and prove some wrong. You know, Joey put his head on his pillow that night. Like, thank God. Like Jonathan, Amanda, did, all of them did great. But you know, he put his head on his pillow. Like, thank God I got Jesus on my roster. Holy smokes was Jesus just having the strongest human being in the world or ever on your roster speaks volumes. And it is a massive plus to be like whatever cards they throw on the table, I'll throw down Jesus. And of course, Joey's got all the people we already mentioned, as well as Russ, and 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 he's got international lifters as well. <coughs> but um, yeah, it's a it's a I can I can only imagine where you and Russ now in that pressure, that pressure you guys probably feel to not only lift for yourself now, but lifting for your team. Yes, will motivate you to work harder. Yes, you will be like I. <laughs> Whatever, three hours in the gym, three hours is not three hours regardless. People like you'll be three hours in the gym anyways. You'll make a different three hours of it. Believe me, when you feel pressure, everybody knows this kind of thing. And in terms of the trash talk, I want to go back also to the point where you said about um, the Cowboys or whatever. It, I've had conversations with other people wh whom I respect who don't like the trash talk. And um, I actually like, I think like all sports, if every, if it's, if it's basketball in the nineties, it was the bull, the bulls. If it's baseball, it's the freaking Yankees. If it's the NFL, I don't, I don't follow American football too much, but if you're saying it's, you know, it's the Cowboys, but this is what it is. People have to care. I in Toronto, we got the Maple Leafs and you love the Maple Leafs and whoever's the rival, you hate that other team. You don't actually hate them. If you saw those, the other team members at a bar, you'll probably ask for an autograph. But when they're playing, you're like, fuck those guys. I, I, we hate those guys. When it's the Olympics and Team Canada's playing in hockey, let me tell you something, my friend. My, my sister married a Swedish guy. He was, we were playing, Team Canada was playing Sweden for the hockey and, and Canada shuts down for the gold medal hockey in the Olympics. And he was in Canada when that game was going on. My man, we, I, we had him in the basement watching with me and all my friends. And, and we we're like, we got a suite if we lose. So this guy is going to have a rough night. And my sister's like, honey, why don't you put on your jersey? And we're like, yeah, put your jersey on, playboy. See what happens. <laughs> she can't save you, man. My sister ain't going to save you. So, but it's, it's not real. It's not like, it's just sports. We're just having fun. You know, and, and there is that, we, we lack that in powerlifting. And, and to an extent, if we're going to go mainstream, we it's okay. We got boundaries. We got boundaries. As long as we don't get ugly with it, I don't have a problem with it. But I know some people that I super duper respect that don't feel this way. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess the only caveat, caveat that I would say is like, because of social media, sometimes I think some people get carried away and they don't know how to compartmentalize because they've never been in a setting where you had somebody down your neck, like, like dominate you, physically dominate you, and then like, like run their mouth, you know? Um, because it's like, I mean, you can go back and forth, you know, because it's like, because like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I like talking, but it's more so like, in person you know like if i'm in the gym with somebody 
and it's like they're loading up away and like we're like a little competitive that I'm gonna say some exploitative stuff you know I'm gonna be like you better not miss this like beep 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 you know um and because it's like I like I try to stay away from like social media trash talk because it can be interpreted so many different ways mm. you know because but I mean I mean but I but I do think that it is good for the sport you know because I feel like the guys that we've talked about do have some experience like playing other sports you know so they're not like completely green where if somebody says this they're just gonna like be pessimistic and just have their day ruined they're not gonna like be like ah my feelings are hurt no they're gonna be like ah all right bro all right man i see you like okay all right and then like they're gonna go out and do something or they're gonna go and compete and then they're gonna talk their stuff you know so, but I mean, I can't say that for everybody, you know, like not like the people who don't like it or like against it, like they've probably just, you know, haven't really experienced trash talk to the max, you know, because it's like, I can tell you something, man, like when you're playing offensive line and you can't like budge that nose guard in front of you and they just keep telling you like play after play and then you got your coach on your cheeks like talking about like if you don't do this play the right way like I'm gonna like bench you for like the rest of the game like like that is something else you know like that's on the more extreme side of things but it's like I think it's good for the, the sport because it's it's getting people to look in and become emotionally invested. Um, but I think it's good that we're talking about this because I feel like by other people looking at things from our perspective, it'll kind of help them feel like, okay, like if somebody says something about their favorite lifter, then they're not going to be freaking out. They're going to be like, nah, man, Jesus God's this. He's going to just like take it on the chin and then he's going to show up to on meet day. Or like if it's like somebody else's favorite lifter, you know? So I do think it's good that we're talking about this because this is uncharted territory for powerlifting. You know, this, it's never been like this. It's never been in an environment where like you have like this much talent across so many different weight classes it's only it's always only been like one or two guys in different weight classes like it used to be just like ray and taylor and then like russell popped up and then like all of a sudden like john popped up and like you start having different lifters in different weight classes from different teams and different coaches so it's like i think it's definitely a good thing for the sport and for everyone listening like okay like hey guys like this is how trash talk works. Like, this is how competitive people communicate sometimes. And it might seem a little backwards to, like, people who are just trying to be progressive and avoid conflict. But it's like, you know, sometimes you, like, you need pressure to create a diamond, you know. So it's like it's, it's got its pros and its cons. But I think long term, it definitely needs to be more normalized. Like, this is something that definitely needs to be normalized. Because it's like if you want powerlifting to be a legitimized sport, then it needs to like catch on to like everything else, or else it's just gonna continue to be like this little niche sport in like this small part of the world where it's only like available to a few selective people, you know. So it's like I'm I'm for it. I mean, to anyone listening, you're you're bringing up like what football would be like, and you're you know a 400 pound man, Taylor Atwood is five foot six 
in that five foot six Taylor Atwood played professional football in Canada for the CFL. It was literally with 25 in the middle of Canada, they'll pack like 30,000 people paying tickets to watch him play. And he will hit that fucking field at five, six, 200 pounds and be running into guys like that's why Taylor coming into powerlifting is going to have that chip. And when you, to your point, when you meet him in real life, he will actually be that guy. He isn't like this just on social media. If you meet him in real life, yes, he's only five, six. Yes. He ain't, he ain't back. He ain't backing down afraid of you either though. He's like not a shy guy in real life. He's exactly as you think he would be. I'm not saying he's aggressive either. I'm just saying he's extremely confident. He's an extremely yeah. confident young man. And because of everything he's ever been through in his life. So when you meet him, when he talks on social media or you meet him in real life, he's going to be exactly as you would expect. Um, and he's, he's battle tested to that extent. But, uh, but anyways, yeah, I mean, it could be growing pains or it could be a period where there's more trash talk than usual and things will level out a little bit in the future where they're ill still be there, but just not quite as prevalent. Who knows? But, um, as long as people keep it within sports and don't get beyond sports, don't get beyond like talking about people's, you know, then it gets ugly. Then, then people yeah. are going to turn on you. Like Conor McGregor goes a little too far with that kind of shit. But, um, that's when we probably got, we need like a, people jump in and like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, let's, yeah. let's take this part out of the podcast. That was, that wasn't appropriate. Um, <laughs> how much did it mean to you to like, like in terms of going for the all time record, was that on your mind to be the number one performance of all time? I knew it was on the cards. I knew that was what I was capable of. So it's like, I think my deadlift attempts literally like, were perfect. We secured the IPF world record on my opener. And then on my second, we secured the deadlift world record. So it was like, I think 5,000 pounds. But at the same time, we broke 2,500. So a lot of people were asking me, like, what's, what signs was I throwing? on? But I was, I was like two, five up because I had broken 2,500 on my second deadlift. And then... Going into my third, I settled on 410 because I didn't want to get too greedy. Uh, I didn't want to increase the chance of failure by, like, just throwing a Hail Mary when I had already, like, it's like, no, like, this is the cherry on top. Let's secure the 1,069. So then that was, like, the rationale behind just jumping 11 keys to my third. Um, so it's like... I mean, like, like, I, like I said earlier, you know, like everything about that performance was imagined to like very like close detail in my head because that's literally what I, I feel like any, the only bad performance that I had that wasn't due to injury was in 2021 nationals, right? Because <laughs> I had just a lot of my leverages to, get out of hand and I didn't accommodate for that so I literally just went one for three on deadlifts right but then after that I improved on it in 2021 worlds in Sweden and then had a freaking perfect meet in my own backyard in 2022 PA Nationals got hurt six uh, five six weeks later um went five for nine at worlds and then like 
I corrected those mistakes. I stayed healthy. I learned from my past mistakes. And I just feel like, like, like this meat is the most bona fide. It is the most legit. It is like the most complete meat I've ever had. You know, like this is, this was like the, because like, like I said, you know, it was IPF judging. It was had to travel across the ocean, had to like become familiar in an un, unfamiliar territory. And it was just like on the biggest stage ever, you know, where there was the most pressure. There was like so many little, there were so many different things that could have taken me off my rocker. But ultimately I ended up using it for my advantage, you know, because I felt like I'm really good at compartmentalizing like high stress and like moments, you know, like I remember like, like it's like, it's it almost, it's almost comparable to being very excellent at procrastinating. Because in my mind, I was procrastinating like the emotional and mental response to, oh shit, it's Sheffield until they told, until my first attempt. Because like, I just remember like, like as soon as Grant took my headphones off, I just went out there like beating my chest because up until that moment, everything had been like procrastinated mentally. And I was just like, saving everything culminating everything into <coughs> nine attempts you know so it was just like to me this meat will just be like remembered as a complete meat from beginning to end and then we just we just executed you know like we had a game plan going into this i think the only audibles that we called is Instead of going for the world record on my third squat, we just ended up jumping 15, which was the perfect call. So instead of going for um, 478, we went for 470, which I think that's going to play a big role next year, you know, because I think for sure I'm definitely going to have the strength to, to break 478 next year. Um, <clears throat> instead of benching 606, we just settled for 600 even. And then instead of like loading my all-time best in training, we just went with 410, right? So we're leaving, there was room for improvement in every single lift, right? So it's like, like we, we definitely have the formula, you know, like we've, like, you know, I'm getting to that point where as a lifter looking outside in, I'm also tried and tested, you know, like I've had like these meets where, Something will happen that I didn't foresee. I'll learn from it, and I get better. So it's like I, that's that's just how you continue to grow as an as a lifter. You know, you you analyze and you got to be your harshest critic, and then you just find the missing pieces to continue to improve. So it's like right now, you know, like I weighed in like two kilo, two and a half kilos heavier than what I did in South Africa but at a much better body composition, I felt like my leverages were way better in South Africa. I was, I'm, I was healthy. I'm healthier. Um, I just felt like my work capacity is a lot better. Like my conditioning was better. So I just have to make sure that like I work on these things even better, you know, like I want to, I'm going to try to cut down a little bit going into, South, um, into Malta. I want to be around like five to 10 keys lighter. You know, I have a couple of numbers that I want to hit. Um, have a respectable meet. Obviously, we're not going to push the world record, but we're just going to, you know, maybe go like a thousand six eight eighty, and you know, just at this from this point on, you know, it's just about how consistent can I be moving forward? Because I already did this. This is like the heaviest sleep performance of all time, 
at 24, you know, so it's like, okay, like, what can I do better? Like, like I got a recall better. Um, I can just so many little different variables that I can sharpen and just bring forth something greater because I, I know like, uh, like I know dad was chasing 1200 in wraps, you know, like shit, I'm gonna hit that in sleeves. Like I already have, I already know the numbers I need to hit in my head to hit that next year or the year after, you know, like, um, I've, I've been competing long enough to know, like, you don't ever want to say, oh, I'm going to do this for sure at this meet. You know, I know it might have seemed kind of close for me to say, like, oh, that's exactly what I was doing into this meet. But, like, at the same time, like, I knew that, okay, like, something could go wrong at any instance, but you prepare for that. Um, So it's like, like, why not? You know, like, why not? Like, people thought 1150 was impossible. So it's like... People are going to say thinking about 1,200, but I really think, like, if anyone's going to do it, in sleeves especially, like, it's going to be me, I think. Well, I mean, you're 24. You, everything is on the table for you. I I, I wouldn't doubt <laughs> you're 24. I, I got no idea where you're going to end up, but I know it's going to be crazy. Um, For you, who is your competition at this point? You know, we mentioned Dan Bell briefly here. Is it Dan Bell? Well, Dan Bell is, like, 10 years older. In the untested, um, I don't know how much longer he wants to do this. And in, in, in like, is Dan Bell the only competition that's kind of like an out of? You guys will never face each other, but is it kind of like, yeah. well, let's see if he pushes if he pushes the record, maybe that motivates me, and maybe you motivated him with your performance, or is it like, or is it not? <laughs> I can't get down with that. It's something else. I I don't know. What is what is it for you? Um, for me right now, it just feels like. I'm a prisoner to my mantle of responsibility because, and I was talking a little bit about this with Omar Isuf, and I was just telling him that I feel like this mantle has been like cast upon me as an ambassador of the sport, as an ambassador for strength sports, you know, and, you know, I'll talk a little bit about my faith. You know, it's like, I feel like God has given me these gifts and this platform to have a voice to talk about my testimony and my beliefs and to be a light in the dark, you know, because I do have a very, like, I got a story to tell, you know, and I almost, I was tearing up waiting for the award ceremony because I was just like, like I said, like there was about an hour there, like after the meet where the gravity was setting on me. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, man, like, imagine if I wasn't here. Imagine if God hadn't intervened when I tried to commit suicide. You know, imagine if there wasn't an ounce of divine intervention on that day, you know, of, of like where I just said, screw it and try to end it all. You know, like he just imagine, Ryan, like if God had not intervened and said, Jesus, if you do not hold on to me, you will die. And it's like now, like four years later, like here we are, you know, I just accomplished one of the greatest feats in human in human history. So it's like, I feel like it's my obligation to just continue to push <laughs> this standard where it's never been before. You know, like I think up until that meet, you could say that Dan was like a rival of sorts, but like now, you know, like I know he's competing. I don't know when this is going to drop, but he's competing on... Uh, in like two days, right? He he might break. He might he might do more, but like you said, you know, like we don't know how much longer Dan has, and it's like even if he does 
break my record. Like, okay, like I know I can do more and I have time on my side and I'm natural. So I don't have to worry about those side effects. So it's like, for me, it's just a matter of biding my time and continuing to do what I've been doing, you know, keep my head down, just work uh, <clears throat> and just like continue to have faith. So it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely become like something different, you know, like now I have to be a lot more diligent about how I speak, what I say, who I talk to, because it's like, I've become more than just a lifter, you know, it's like when you accomplish something of the magnitude that I did, it, you, you, you're more of a symbol than you are a man. Like you become a symbol of what you embody and represent and you breathe and live and die for instead of like, uh, like just some regular dude trying to win his first national title, you know, it's like, so I think that's what I'm a slave to now, you know, it's like, I mean, and I don't say that in a bad way. It's just like, there is a responsibility that I have, um, almost like an obligation, you know, like obviously I can choose to walk away anytime or I can go do strongman or I can cut down and try to do like 140 or whatever, you know, I could, I could do anything I want, but as far as like becoming like Jesus Olivar is like the world's strongest powerlifter or like the guy who did a thousand six, nine first in sleeves, like I have a responsibility to keep, you know, like I have people watching me, um, I have probably a whole generation of lifters that I, I could potentially inspire to be great men, you know, to not just do things the easy way, to believe in themselves, to bet on themselves, to believe in their family, to like push for a better life, you know? So it's like, I, I feel like that's what's motivating me right now. And like, I definitely don't want to fall into the same like lull that my predecessors did you know, like after a certain point, like I feel like Ray was like, oh, like no one's pushing me. And you can tell where like he hit like 11.05, 11.12 and then like he sputtered. Or like with Dan, you know, he hit that 11.27.5 in 2020, right? Or 2021, right? So there was a couple of years that passed where he didn't push it. And he didn't push it because he was content with what he had done. And I want to do everything I can to my power to learn from their decisions and just like go the other way and just continue to keep my mind in the right places to continue to just do things how I see fit, you know? So it's like, like, yeah, like I'm always going to be competitive. I'm going to use whatever point system is going on currently. <clears throat> I'm going to pay attention to the scene. I'm going to pay attention to people who don't mention me in conversations and this and that. And I'm just going to like use that for motivation. But at the end of the day, you know, like what I'm doing and what I'm going to end up doing is just something bigger than like legacy. You know, it's like, there's just something about strength and how humanity reveres it. And it's just like, you can be simple and be like, Oh, like it's just, it's just strength. But then when you look at it from a philosophical perspective, like it's like, no, like this man has gone through a great deal of things to do what he's done. And the story that comes with those things, it's like, they're like little arcs in their own. So it's just, that's just kind of what 
I feel as of now, you know, like I just feel like it's just become like this own thing and I'm just a caretaker, you know? I want to double back a minute because I've had you on this podcast several times over the years. Um, One thing we've never talked about is the, is the suicide attempt, the place you were in like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And to your point, yeah, the word strength means a lot of different things. People, it's not just physical people use the word strength to describe, you know, the human will, um, strength of belief, et cetera. And that's why physical strength, you know, there is a a carryover when people see it, but tell me about that, about that time in how, when you were about to grab your award at Sheffield before the ceremony, when you look back at that time now, and it's like, you know, tell because for some people listening, they might be going through some tough times and by tough times, that's like, that's a fucking, that's not even they might be going through the darkest of times. You know, they might be going through something where this is exactly what they need to hear. Yeah. I mean, I think I've only ever talked about this publicly like three times, but I remember like when I was doing the meet and greet, I gave my testimony to like four different people, you know, but um, before I started like, like just getting into the gym, you know, like there was a time in my life where, I was in a lot of bad, you know, like I was just like this troubled young man who came from a broken family, you know, like I had felt like my father didn't want me. Um, But fortunately enough, like I had my siblings to be there for me, you know, and it's like when I think about it then, like or now, like, I mean, I wish I would have done things differently, you know, like at least giving them the opportunity to help me and just open up to them more. But it's like, like, you know, there's a bunch of responsibilities that come with being a man of the world. And like one of those is like just being able to just take the pain and dig it deep. But there's a consequence that comes with that, you know, like if you like don't open up or if you're dealing with something and you don't want to talk about it, like there's a consequence to that. Like you might think that if you can bury it deep enough, like you don't have to worry about it, but it's like, it's like when you have a basketball in the water, you know, and like in the lake, if you push that that ball, the the ball down, it's gonna disappear. But the minute you let go of it, it's gonna just come bouncing out, you know, and it's gonna come with some force. But just to get like a little bit more specific, you know, like <clears throat> and like my girlfriend's, well, she had her earbuds in because it might bother her. But because like um, at the time, you know, like I was in a relationship with a young lady, and I just thought I was gonna marry this woman, you know, and I thought like this was the person that I was gonna be with the rest of my life. And just like with my with my upbringing, you know, it's like everything I had planned was around her. Everything I was doing, like going to school, like working, was with the aspirations of building a life with her. And then just things happened she ended up moving on. She got with somebody else. And then that, that event, man, it just like, it made me lose hope because when you lose somebody that you think you're going to have for the rest of your life, it's like, like you give this person your everything, you know, like it, it doesn't just have to be like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or it could be like when you lose a father, when you lose a brother, when there's somebody that you think you're going to have with you for the rest of your life. 
and they just like disappear, you know, whether they just like move on or, you know, like God bless their soul, like they pass on, like it just creates like this very dark time in your life where it's very difficult to traverse without hope. And well, that, let, me, let me ask you, like the fact that your father earlier on in your life had left, do you think that greatly impacts when someone else leaves, you start, it's yeah. going to hit in terms of your self-worth? That's a, that's a hard question. But uh, I think you're onto something there just because like I've come to realize that now, you know, like now I'm in a, in a healthy relationship with my significant other, Surya, you know, but I've come to realize that as we've grown and been together that a bunch of the issues that I've wasn't aware of were like, it's because I never got to witness like what a real man is supposed to do in a, in a loving relationship. You know, like I never got to see my dad buy my mom flowers. I never got to see him like do much of anything like, except like, you know, cause him a ruckus and do a lot of bad stuff. Like so abusive? Like, Was he abusive? Um. Yeah, we, we, we could say that, Ryan. Like, I don't want to like, like get too into detail about like my father and like just like the stuff he would do to like my family. But um I do think that my like my dad not being in my life did have a big impact in my life, you know, and uh we can get that's, that's like a whole different video, man. But let let's let's keep it to like the suicide stuff. Okay. So uh right. So like essentially like I had lost a person that I thought I was gonna be with for the rest of my life. And then I was just very vulnerable. I was hopeless. I was just in a lot of pain. And it got to a point to where like I wasn't talking to anybody. I was pushing everybody away. I wasn't opening up to my mom, to Pablo, to like any of my siblings, like any of my friends. Like nobody knew what I was going through because I thought I could handle it on my own. But uh, it just came to like this one afternoon, man. Like I remember exactly what I was doing. Like I was working at this company called Truck Pro in Odessa, Texas. Like I had uh, just gotten off at three o'clock and I just remember like having this immense pain in my chest where I had, I had like these leftover like pain medicine before I had wrist surgery. And I was just like, man, like I took, I had taken like four pills at lunch break, like two hours prior, because it's like what I was feeling in my chest was, it was so like powerful and just sharp. And I thought that like the pain medicine would help subdue it. And then I just remember like getting into my vehicle to drive home. And I just remember thinking like, I can't do this, man. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just remember thinking like, I felt like such a burden I felt like such a piece of trash. Like I just felt like so worthless and so hopeless that I was like, I allowed like the enemy to convince myself that my death would be a benefit more than a, than a, a negative, you know? So like I took another four pills, you know, like my plan was to literally just pass out into traffic and, you know, go to sleep and I know how bad that sounds now, you know, because at that point, like I'm putting other people at risk and it was probably the most irresponsible decision that I've ever made in my life. And I don't say that lightly because it's like, 
I wasn't just playing with my own life, but I was playing with the lives of other people, other fathers, other other people, you know. But all I remember is that in that instant, right, I had a vision because I just remember driving and I was just crying and crying and thinking, like, I'm going to miss my family. Like, like why did I, like, it, it just, I had already, like, taken the pills and I was just like, man, like, fuck. Like, I was just thinking about how much my family was going to miss me. And... <clears throat> I see like a vision, Ryan, and I see I I I see myself like I'm like I'm like about to drown in like this ocean. It's like this tempest, like a bunch of waves, just like keeping my head underwater. But my hand is above sea level, and then like in that moment, like I see like a lifesaver thrown out, and I hear a voice saying, "Jesus, if you don't hold on to me, you're gonna die. You're gonna perish." So then it was just like in that moment, like it was just like I snapped out of it and it was like a very clear defined moment of like realization of like, like God just intervened and saved my life. And he had saved the life of the people around me because I was like this young, immature boy who had like just refused to like open up to his family, who had tried to take on the world by himself who had tried to do all these things the wrong way, you know? And it's like, if my story can tell anybody to any, anything to anybody, it's like, if you're going through something, like open up, like don't, don't just try to keep it at bay. Like if that never works, like literally go talk to anybody who's been through something similar that I've been like, they'll tell you straight away, like that never works. Everything always comes back to bite you in the butt. And it's just like, I just feel like ever, everything that I've done from that day forward has just been through the guidance of God. Because like me moving to San Antonio, like me finding Joey, me joining Flex, me like being, getting to know you, Ryan, and having the opportunity to just share my story and share my testimony to multitudes of people, you know, like that's, that just doesn't happen. You know, like that's not random. Like, that's not just a coincidence. Like, the strongest man alive right now isn't a believer just out of mere coincidence. You know, like, this, there's a greater plan to this. You know, like, I don't really quite understand it. Like, I don't think anybody does except God. But just to, like, have this opportunity to, like, share my testimony, you know, and just to share, like, the miracle that God has performed in my life and just his loyalness to me and my family, you know, to, to him, like, giving me the opportunity to go out and do what I do. Like it's, it's, it's very profound, you know, and it's like, we could literally have like another two to three hour podcast on like this topic alone, because it's like, there's so many different variables, you know, but like, I, I just pray that if anyone's going through something that I went through, if it's even remotely close, you know, maybe not to that extreme measure, like, you know, like rely on people. Like if you don't have anybody in your life, man, like there's literally, numbers you can call for people who are just going to listen to you or like I promise you like there might just be somebody on social media like who is willing to listen you know or like pray like don't don't just try to to take on things of that magnitude on your own because in times like that you know like you need that human companionship you need to see like the light at the end because it's like if you think there's no point in living like that's that's a horrible place to be dude 
Um, <coughs> fuck. I got, little, I got a little emotional myself there, man. Uh, I wasn't talking there for a half a minute. I was like, holy smokes. Freaking, uh, that was impactful, dude. I can't, I got, you've never told me about this. Um, yeah. And when you snapped your fingers I, and, and said that that happened, swear to God, I got chills, man. You're right. Uh, anybody who's like listening, if you don't think you got somebody, there are numbers to call. Talk to anybody. Just talk to somebody. Uh, like, I don't know how often, like, uh, I, I, I'm a talker, and social skills are like my some of my better skills. How often it is that, like, just being able to talk is a huge benefit throughout my life. Consistently, man. Whenever tough times have come, and you live long enough, man. I'm I'm older than you, but getting almost twenty years older than you. And you were going to love and lose, whether it's relationships, people in your life are going to pass away and die, or you were going to see some really bad stuff, man. Like nobody is going to leave this world unscathed. And I mean, you're going to say some the toughest goodbyes and they're not always old people in their prime, like pastor prime, like old people. You can have buddies. You're going to be bedside and you're going to be how the fuck and you're going to look at their sons and daughters and be like, and they're going to, that kid is going to ask you what's going on and you're going to say eulogies for when you're in your twenties and you, and they're going to say, Ryan, we want it to be you because you're the guy who can talk and you're like, fuck three days. You won't sleep. It's terrible, man. Life is tough, man. I'm telling you, everybody's got a story that'll break your heart, but like, what you said is a hundred percent when I've had those tough moments and dog, I've had some tough ones talking 100% helped. Like, thank God I have the, the, the ability to talk, you know? And, uh, I mean, here we are, I'm, I'm on a podcast and I've had a lot of tough decision uh, conversations, but when I seen your YouTube, um, and I seen the caption, the, the title, and you mentioned suicide and I was like, Jesus, we never talked about this. And I said, first off, hats off to you, dude. Um, and you don't know how much it is for the strongest man in the world, the strongest man in history to say, I've been there. To raise your hand and be like, I've been on the brink. It it stops the stigma that like only the weak feel like this. That's yeah. bullshit. That's bullshit. That ain't true. The strongest man in the world feels like this. And um, yeah, that's big, man. I'm glad you you were comfortable enough to bring that up and and talk about it because it's it's not easy. But I guarantee you, like, this podcast goes worldwide, man. And uh, the downloads, well, you know, when you show up at these events, sometimes people, like, it could be all the chatter when people talk about some, something somebody said on KOTL. Uh, hopefully this is something that people talk about as well. Like, yeah. you know, and it goes out. Yeah, man, this this sort of thing became a little bit more real to me at Sheffield because I had so many people come up to me. And the first thing they said was they brought up that, uh, the road to Sheffield video where I opened up on my, my mom, you know, and this, the journey that we've been on as a family, you know, with like her, like being terminally diagnosed to like her being well enough to go walk all over the place in the UK. Um, like the fact that, 
things like that are like, you know, and it's like I said, you know, like I feel like I have a responsibility to to speak up, you know, like God gives, you know, like if somebody like God puts your strongest people to protect those who need it, you know, and like sometimes the sort of protection that people need isn't a physical protection. It's an emotional one or a spiritual one where it's like sometimes you don't need to protect somebody from a burglary, but you got to pray for them and intercede and be there for them in a way that is a different uh, concept than like a physical defense, you know? And it's like, um, you know, maybe that's part of it. You know, God allowed me to go through these fiery events, you know, me and my family. And then maybe he put me in this position with these abilities to show the world, like, not just you go through it, but people like me go through this too. Um, and like I was saying, it's like so many people were moved by the things I had to say about my mother, like going into Sheffield, but it's like, you know, the same effect could be had with me sharing like some of my, my dirtiest laundry, you know, it's like, if by airing out things that I'm shameful of can help save a life, then I'll go ahead and go on this, like, I'll go out and say however many times I need to, you know, as long as somewhere, someplace, somebody listens to it and it helps them out and it helps them bring closer to God or start asking questions or opening up to their family or their friends. And it just alters their course of, of like wherever they're going to end up at. Then it's like, I don't care, man. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes because it's like ultimately, yeah, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a powerlifter. I've, I want to be like so-and-so and like, I want to lift X amount of weights. But at the end of the day, you know, like very few people like have these opportunities to like just impact people in a different way than just by inspiring them to pursue fitness. Like there's just, there's, there's so many different ways you can change somebody's life, you know, and and if I can change somebody's life by talking about my past, you know, then I'll do it. You know, I'll do it without hesitation because I know what it feels like to be in those places. Um, you know, those are things you never forget, man. Like you never forget the feeling of hopelessness. You never forget the feeling of despair. Like those are things that like, if I start to feel anything like that, I have like this like subconscious, like survival reflex where I have to get up I have to move. I start cleaning. I start like I go for a walk outside. I call my mom. I call somebody because it's it's like a it's like a it's like PTSD almost. It's like you never forget the way you feel when you're at your lowest. So it's almost like the minute I start to feel any kind of negative energy, like I have to start praying or like I have to call somebody or like I just start moving around because it's like now I know how to like fight it and I know how to help other people fight it you know so it's like part of that is sharing you know part of that is talking part of that is like making other people feel comfortable enough because it's like I said you know it's like as a man you know especially in like Hispanic culture but I really feel like it's a lot of cultures you know it doesn't matter like where you where you come from like it's very frowned upon to openly talk about these things because you're going to be ridiculed but like that's that's wrong you know, like, it, it shouldn't be like that. It should be like, and I, I'm not saying like, 
we should normalize like everything to where it's just like if you like want to nag about something insignificant like oh yeah like that's fine like no but if it's like something profoundly deep No, this is different, where it's dog. This is it's different. it's different it's Because different we're not talking you know about, we're not talking about yeah complaining about fucking whatever at work. yeah Um, so it's like so you know what i'm saying like i just you know like i don't i don't care if it to other people what sullies my image I don't care if other people want to look at me and call me weak. It's like, as long as my words reach the right people, then that's all that matters. dude. In terms of that. Who the fuck is going to be like, that makes you mentally weak. All the, when I hear shit like this, like people talking about like that, it's like life hasn't come for you yet. Huh? It'll come for Yeah. you. Playboy. You, you got the Timmy's, you got the Timmy's and the goblins. on the interwebs man they'll they'll come at you for anything It's coming. Don't worry about this, man. Nobody's going to get through this without getting chin checked hard. And you'll have some hard goodbyes. And you'll be, I don't care if you're religious or not, you'll end up praying and be like, S I need something. You'll bring it to your knees and you'll be like, I'm fucking, I can't. And you're going to have to. And you're just going to walk that walk. Friggin', um, you were saying too, and this is true, this is more real life. People in your life, you know, when when I was younger, I would hang around like these dudes that like, they would show you they had your back by like physically, right? And you were saying like, okay, like if a robber comes and you physically protect someone or they would show they had your back by like, you're out and about, someone's talking shit, whatever. But in real life, the people who actually have your back are the ones who, when you call, they pick up. Or when you're like, let's go for a walk, they come. Those later in life, it is far more important to have people like that in your camp that actually are around like that. When you got a team, a support team around you, where they, can I give you a ring? Or you just want to shoot the shit. And it's not even, you're not going to go into some deep talk or whatever. It could be just, you're feeling certain ways, you feel it coming on, and you're like, I'm going to fucking pick up the phone and start talking. Those people are here. Those are... not even like those that's that's the people who have your back in life believe me and i mean i got people that i've known my whole life some people have come some people have gone there's some people that i've known since i was a kid and i still know them now today and i could call them right now those are the people those are the day ones that are like hang on to those people man those are the people that got you that's you want to have somebody's back Some people think like they got to prove themselves to you by being aggressive towards people who got aggressive towards you. Like if I'm your boy, Jesus, and someone attacked you online, I should attack them back. Sometimes that's actually just making the other side attack you more and I'm hurting you. And when you get older, you start realize you would look at me and be like, Ryan, you're actually a negative and you think you're a positive, but you don't know how to act. And you're actually hurting me more and you're helping me. But as I got older, I realized there's other people in your life that'll be like, Jesus, Fuck those people. And I'm not going to show you I got your back by attacking them. I'm going to show you by, I'm going to call you up. I'm going to build you up. Whatever they said about you, let me build you up, young man. That's not you. I know you. And this is how we do it. You know what I mean? And those are the people in your life that are actually, that you need to hang on to. You, only when you're older, you realize, or at least for me, that I realize this shit. <laughs> and, and I made cuts along the way, or life made cuts. And some of these people... We've diverged in completely different paths, man. And you hope, you hope, like, like when I talk to younger people, I'm like, 
I tell them this. I'm like, pay attention and be careful who you keep around you. And some of the people who, who are behind you don't all got your back. And some people who clap back are just clapping back out of their own insecurities because they want to prove themselves are tough. But they could be hurting you. They're fucking hurting you and instigating and making it worse for you just because they're talking shit. It's not always good. Anyways, man, damn. This second half, though, huh? Of this podcast. <laughs> Talk, what are we doing? We, we, whoa, Jesus. We have you no can title. You can title this podcast be like the way it's be like, hold on. It's like a, it's like that cliche saying it's uh, sometimes the heaviest things we lived aren't the weights, but our feet. Like, it's like, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? That sure means, no, that's that. exactly what it is. It is, it is. The heaviest weights we lift are aren't the weights, but our feelings it, with the world's strongest man. By the way, the world's strongest man just said that, by the way. Um, dude, we've known each other for years in and had how many hours of podcasting? And um, this is it, man. Sometimes I still remember the first repost, man. Do you really? Yeah. I love it when people <laughs> tell me that. It's uh that it means something. And look yeah. at you now. Yeah, now, now, now I'm telling people like, hey man, it, it's not a big deal. Like, don't be freaking out about it. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. But it is, I'm glad um to turn this into a more positive. First off, I remember baby faced you with the long hair parted in the middle. And you mm. were like, I remember a young version of you. And even then, though, you were a monster. Um, but I enjoy I like the po the positive impact it can have where it's just people getting recognition and they fucking just like so many people deserve recognition and it's not a bad people like people want to be like I don't give a fuck it's all about clout but it's not that sometimes like there's a reason why we have award ceremonies there's a reason why I just made a post funny enough last night and um I'm in the caption I have a blib about every single picture and it's basically a love letter to all my friends. And I'm like, I'm fucking sappy. This is what I did. Joey is one of them. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I got you, man. I do sappy shit like this. But you know what, man? Give people their flowers and give people recognition and it feels good. So whatever, when people talk about who cares if you get reposted, I bet you, you know, it's okay to feel good and it's okay for like the community to to give you some shine you know what i mean like yeah. i know what people mean where some people are chasing clout but on the flip side some people just want something you know you found you you found your community and your community appreciates you and that feels fucking good and for some people you don't know their background dog you know the relationship with their parents or whatever the fuck and this could be something big for them in a moment where they don't have a lot of good positive things you know what i mean yeah i could tie it in but, uh, dude, this has been one hell of a fucking podcast, Asus. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I am, I like got fucking impacted by this. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. Um, is there, is there like anything else we should hit or do you think this is a good place to, to leave it at? I feel like we talked about like four different things. If this one feels like it's been like four hours, but I know because we're like, we, we're barely about to hit that two hour mark. So hey, like, you, you know what? Time. It, it's I've had three hour podcasts where we're just shooting the shit, having fun. And we were as well with this, but there's something about when you drop emotional feelings to get in there, it fucking feels longer. It's draining to a different extent. It hits you different. It hits different. But, um, but anyways, listen, man, I'll let you go. This is two hours. I sincerely appreciate you coming on the podcast. A, like as, literally as soon as you got home, um, you've always been like extremely accessible to me. 
it doesn't matter before Sheffield, after Sheffield, whatever. And you're legit one of the nicest guys in powerlifting. And nobody can talk shit about the way you carry yourself because you always carry yourself nobly with dignity. I know that means a lot to you. Um, all jokes aside about your mom, you about, you know, if she hears the podcast, but I know it means a lot about to you when other people hear it as well. In in that, like you do carry yourself in a certain way. Your brother was on the podcast talking about it as well. Dude, you live up. You know, when people meet you and you're the world's strongest man, nobody's going to be disappointed and hear stories about he's a dick or he's different in real life. You were the genuine article, young man, and um, an amazing ambassador for the sport. And fucking your strength is so much more than just physically to come on the podcast and talk about what you did. It is so... And I've never talked about some of the stuff that I did just on this podcast and I just did now because you opened up. If you're wondering, does it help people open up? Dog, I've never talked about what I just did. I didn't even go into big details, but when one person opens up, the other person does. And when mm -hmm. you hear someone open up, it makes it easier for you to digest. It fucking means something, dog. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast and doing all this. And um, anybody listening, man, share this podcast with whoever you think can hear this, use it. Um Give us, you know, subscribe the whole nine, everything I always say. Uh, but this one was a special one. <laughs> this one was a special one, man. And uh, dude, I can't wait to meet you and see you again in Malta. Yeah, man. We got to uh, see you in 10 weeks. Yeah, fuck. So I'm not going to lie, man. I was just dreading the idea of traveling again in such a short amount of time. Um, Because it's like, it's just like getting somewhere is fun. Getting home is like the the, drain, the, well, the the hard part. At your size, though, traveling at your size impacts you differently. That's what Ray always said. Yeah. You know, we've seen it. Yeah, in we and, and, I, and think, I think the, the person who is most qualified to talk about how hard it is to travel with me is uh, she's putting away. Oh, God bless. <laughs> yeah, listen, when people see you coming down the aisle, and, and they're like, God damn, is this guy going to be sitting beside me? I'd be like, listen, first two hours, I'd mind my business. Three hours in, I don't give a fuck. I'm cuddling you, dude. You, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's it. We're watching a movie. <laughs> We're... Yeah, no, it, traveling is a, it is a pain sometimes. But I mean, like, it's a part of it, you know? Like, it's, it's a part of the company. It's a part of, like, the journey. It's a part of, like... Just everything that we do, you know, it's like we're not shortcutting anything. Like everybody, I mean, yeah, some people might fit a little better than other others, you know. Like I'm pretty sure the French ladies, like they have the time of their lives fitting in those seats. But uh, <laughs> I like know? you said the French ladies. You're like, yeah, laughing up French ladies. You probably love these traveling. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, they just have to fly. Like, I mean, like it's, I can just imagine what it would feel like to fit comfortably in a seat and like not make other people uncomfortable or like <laughs> squish somebody else. Cause it's like, like I had an aisle seat on the second to last flight. I think we were flying from New York to Atlanta and I literally had maybe like eight inches of like peck and shoulder and back, like hanging off the seat. So it's like every time somebody walked by, it was just like, doof, doof. 
It, do they know? Say, like, that's the world's strongest man right there, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, like, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But let but, me uh, say this. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I was just going to say, so yeah, 100%. This is going to negatively impact your, for, for, for your performance. So hats off to you for being able to consistently overcome this. And you're right. This is the chin check of it. But there's something about, like, Muhammad Ali, once he won the world title, fucking went on a world tour and fought all over the world because he said the world champion needs to drop down in all these different countries so people around the world get a picture of you. You, If you just stayed in America, how many people in Europe listen to podcasts like this, look up to you as the world's strongest man, and when they see you in real life, when you touch down in Europe and you're in the UK, you're in South Africa, you're in fucking M Malta, and if you tour around a little bit, they're going to make, oh, fucking Jesus Oliveris. And it means something, man, for you to like engage with people from all over the world, all these different cultures, taking it in. You're going to be in buildings. You were at the banquet. We were in a, a building that's hundreds of years old with this beautiful like painting from, it was before electricity was around, my man, before they were using coal in trains, before any of that. For you to experience it at 24 years old, as traveling the world as the world champion, that's all part of it. You know, it, there's gifts to it as well. And, and you getting to like bring in other people's cultures, but it's, it's something big where the world champion fucking shows up around the world and doesn't stay just domestic. So they get a dose of you. It'll mean, it's going to mean a lot to them, man. I know, man, it was, it was really such a pleasure, like getting to meet so many different people from all over the world at the meet and greet. Like I remembered, you know, like I talked to some people from Guam, people from Peru, you know, like I was talking to them in Spanish, you know, um, from Chile, from, you know, have people travel from the States, like just to see it in person, like see how many people like support me and are genuinely like interested in my path and what I say and what I do. And then to see that, like, like I said, like me opening up about like the, the road to, like in the road to Sheffield uh, SPD series, like, just to be able to witness that in real time in another part of the world, it's like it's it's uh it's eye changing because it's like like you said, you know, it's like it's people get to see me on the world stage and they get to admire my strength from like the stand, but for them to have the opportunity to come and like talk to me ask me questions, you know, like get to pick my brain, take a picture with me. You know, it's like they might remember that moment for the rest of their lives. You know, uh, they, I ain't never forget it. I'm not gonna, never going to forget yeah, you. Like they, <laughs> they might be showing a picture to their great grandkids 50 years from now being like, I got to take a picture with Jesus Olivares at like the first ever Sheffield, you know. So it definitely it's definitely and I know, like, at first, my mindset was, like, holy smokes, like, I need to sit down. But then it's, like, once, like, I got surrounded and, like, the line, like, got longer, like, it almost, like, I got a second wind, you know, because I was just so appreciative of the people who came to watch me, you know, or, like, the people who were waiting in line to take a photo with me. It's just, like, it's just one of the coolest things ever, man. Yeah, you appreciate, like, yeah. It's the wildest, man. You're living the wildest life. You, dog, you were living the wildest life. 
this is like a if there's a simulation you're like this is the simulation i'm the world's i'm the strongest man that's ever lived and i'm flying around the world and having these moments you I, i'm so glad sheffield happened you should be making more than thirty six thousand dollars in a day but fuck it it's the biggest prize we have in powerlifting and you deserve every penny my friend i'll be excited uh, to see uh how much they increase it by for next year that's sure. year one that's year one it's gonna keep going um you know let's <laughs> let's see what happens but uh, you'll be back. You're already guaranteed. Doesn't matter what happens in Malta now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're going to do well, but thank God, because I cannot picture you not being there, obviously. But uh, anyways, man, dude, I appreciate you. Uh, we'll talk, man. I'm sure we're going to talk in DMs. We'll probably talk, have you on the podcast before Malta happens anyways. But thank you for coming on, my man. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. Po- this, this is one of the best podcasts I've ever had. We'll talk, man. See you later. Six up, and we out.